We're going to jump off our normal subject just for a minute or two. One of these days I'm really seriously thinking about giving you a brief little insight to the false prophet and the beast and Antichrist and all that stuff that's coming up. I mean, Brother Ricky, you kind of alluded to the fact that we may be going through some tough times last week. (laughs) I don't like that thought whatsoever. But you know each day that we live now, at least for the last four years, things have been consistently getting worse. The price of gold has not gone up at all. The price of food has not gone up at all. It just takes more of that junk money you've got to buy it. They make you think prices are going up when they're not. The dollar's going down. And unless you understand that, you'll be deceived by misconceptions. It's uh, really interesting the way people can twist words around. I mean, they actually call that in the insurance industry, they call it twisting. (laughs) They have that phrase for it. Anyway, I'd like to bring something to your attention that I read about this week that just cheers me up. I love anything that magnifies God. I love anything that I hear that shows me a little more about him that I didn't know or I didn't understand. And I've prayed now for several weeks and months and actually a couple of years that I would understand more about how this piece of stuff, that isn't really worth that much to God, how he put this thing together. How does it do what it does? When you realize that we started from the smallest cell in the man's body and the largest cell in the woman's body, and that thing came together and it was still only one cell. And then something happened, that thing starts dividing and making more of them and more of them and more of them and more of them and more of them. You get down to the point where all of a sudden, man, you got teeth and hair and heart beating and blood vessels. How in the world do you grow a plumbing system like we got inside of us, man? I mean, that stuff just absolutely astounds me. I like to know how things work. I was tearing clocks apart before I was in school. I wanted to see what was inside. I wanted to know what made it tick. (laughs) After I found out what made it tick, it didn't tick no more. (laughs) But anyway, I always wanted to know how it ticked. And uh, I wanted to know that from the very, from almost the day I got saved. I had a curiosity about God. I wanted to know why. I wanted to know why the creator had to die for his creation. Man, that stirred me. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would somebody, as described in this book, allow his son to go through what he went through for the likes of us? That's not logical, man. But love's not logical. (laughs) Love ain't logical. And that's why it doesn't make any sense to us on a logical basis. You have to understand love to be able to understand your heavenly father. I mean, you know, you think your kids like everything you do for them? Is God good? Yes, sir. I mean, is he good when everything is a disaster in your life and you think that things couldn't get any blacker? At those times in our life, we're like a little kid. Where are we going, Mommy? Taking you to the dentist. Whoa! Is that a good parent? You bet it is. Is God always good? He sure is. So what we have to do is we have to have the right response to God. And if we don't have the right response to God, it's because we don't understand. It's because we're still thinking like children. When I was a child, I thought as a child. 
when I became a man to put away childish things. What is that? That's to understand the difference between a childhood and manhood. And when you begin to grasp those things and relate them back to God, you ought to be figuring some stuff out, man. <laughs> you ought to be thinking about God and trying to understand what he's doing in your life. It's, if it's he that worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure, somehow he gets pleasure by taking you to the dentist. You know, and if you don't get that stuff, you miss the point. And all you pray for is relief. No, mommy, please don't make me go. Don't make me go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go, no dentist. <laughs> That's what you keep asking God. Take it away, take it away, take it away. The right response is, why do I need to go to the dentist, mommy? Well, here's why. Wow. You remember so-and-so had that bad toothache? Yeah. You want to go through that? No. <laughs> This is going to be a tiny little bit of pain compared to what you go through if we don't do it. Wow, God, is that what you're doing in my life? How about that? And it's for your pleasure, God? Yeah. How come? Because I love you. We're just those little kids. We just want relief, you know. (laughs) Pray for relief. Don't pray for understanding. Just pray for relief. (laughs) Anyway, here's something I got a hold of. Now, a while back... I heard somebody talking about communication. And communication had to do with the DNA. It was really interesting. I mean, in our English language, we got 26 letters. Those 26 letters, can you communicate a lot? Man, there's, there's I mean, you can even attempt to communicate things that are incommunicatable. <laughs> I mean, we try to communicate who God is and what God is, and he is unsearchable. But you try to do it, and those words are really important. Well, you can make a lot of stuff out of 26 letters. But then somebody else came up with another system, and that system was called Morse code. And that thing doesn't have 26 characters. It's got three. And with only three things, you've got a dot, a dash, and a space in between them. And with those three things, you can communicate all 26 letters and anything you can say in the English language. In fact, if you've ever seen pictures of Pearl Harbor when the Oklahoma's upside down and they're out there trying to get those guys out of that ship that first tried to burn a hole in it. When they tried to burn that hole in it, they burned a hole in it, got inside, and all the guys were dead from the fumes. They were alive before they started trying to get them out. My father-in-law was the radio chief radio operator on that ship, and he got off it, swimming through fire and water and oil and everything else. And he was wandering around on shore when they came and found him and said, I need you to come out here to the ship. If you see those pictures of those guys walking around, he's the smallest guy out there. But anyway, he's communicating with this stuff and trying to get some of those guys out of that ship. But then you get down to another language, binary language. Now they're down to just two things. And with those two things, you have no concept of what goes on inside of your computer or your iPhone or your car or anything else for that matter. Any of these integrated circuits that are using that kind of stuff are just mind-boggling what's going on. And it's just something's there and nothing's there. It's just a zero or a one. <laughs> on your CDs and your DVDs, all that thing's looking for is a reflection. If that light bounces back, you got a one. If no light bounces back, you got a zero. And with that, you can communicate with all this stuff you can put on a CD or on a DVD. 
full-color movies, you know, full-length. They can put them in in double layers. Man, I don't know how they do all that stuff. But anyway, DNA was discovered back in 1953. When it was discovered, they found out since then that DNA has four characters, all different. Well, if you can do that much with two characters, zero and one, what do you think you can do with multiples of four? I mean, that thing is just out there and never, never land. What all could be done with it on the basis of a computer? If they could actually use four characters instead of two, man, it would just expand the whole thing exponentially. More knowledge, computer memory, the programs would be a whole lot simpler to write. Everything would be a whole lot smaller. Anyway, this guy, David Baltimore, referred to modern biology as science of information. What he's saying there is he got down to the point where he's realizing that with DNA, biology has come down to basic information. Now, I'm talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, how does this stuff work? How how do my fingernails know where to grow? Why aren't they growing on the inside? Why are my fingerprints on the inside instead of the back? How come my hand sweats more than anything else to give me a better grip? Why does the hair grow where it grows? What's this thing about my eyeball? I mean, that thing's brain tissue right there. You know that? I mean, if you don't know that, you ought to know that. One of these days I'll teach on that stuff on eyes. But this stuff is brain tissue. That is brain cells right there. It's direct connection right in. God says the light of the body is the eye. Man, that thing's connected, hooked up direct like nothing else is. And that thing grows closed. And then when it gets to a certain place, something all of a sudden happens in there and it cuts slits right there. Well, how come it don't cut the slit this way or that way or something? Or down over here someplace? I don't even know what all does this stuff. You know what it is? It's DNA. So when he says, when you get down to this modern biology, it's a matter of information. It's, where do you put this piece of lumber? Where do you put this light switch? Where do you put this couch? Where does this piece of carpet go? What about this insulation? What's this shingle? Where does that thing go? Well, that's us putting pieces of stuff together. This is something that's created alive and begins with just two cells. And it continues to grow and change and grow and change. How does that happen? The amount of information in living things is absolutely phenomenal. Just to give you a glimpse of it. The cell nucleus of a tiny amoeba. That's a one-cell critter. In that nucleus of that thing... There's more information in that one little celled animal than there is in the entire set of Encyclopedia Britannica. In one cell. Now God says in the last days knowledge shall be increased. You know that? He says over in Daniel 12, he says, But thou, Daniel, set up the seal of this book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. You know, God can say a lot to us in just four little old words. Knowledge shall be increased, you know, run to and fro in the earth. You realize how many jets are in the sky right now? You realize how many passengers are on those things, man? <laughs> I mean, 24 hours a day. How many ever seen that email which shows the, the lighting of the cities as the world turns, you know, and the lights come on going across there, or the one where they're showing all of the paths of all the jets and how the activity changes from night to day? I mean, it gets insane. It's just insane what's going on in this world. Knowledge being increased? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't care about any knowledge that doesn't lead me to a greater understanding of my Creator. Knowledge puffeth up. But not all knowledge. 
Some knowledge will lead you to, to Christ, man. The right knowledge will have the right response. What you want is the kind of knowledge that will magnify your creator. Get to know him better. That science falsely so-called is the stuff that leads you away. Like, go green. God's really going to go, go green in the end, isn't he? <laughs> it was a big match. <laughs> oh, God, we saved this world for you. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, human DNA is vastly more superior. Vastly. You know what vastly is? That's like your birdbath compared to the ocean. Our DNA is so much more complex than what I just described to you about the amoeba. It's unreal. In combination with other cellular systems, it also processes information much like a computer. What's going on in there is that DNA is not just sitting there like the Encyclopedia Britannica on a shelf. It operates like your computer inside of it. That software accomplishes something and it communicates with all these other things. That's why sometimes your programs don't work because they can't communicate to each other. Man, one's speaking Chinese and the other one's speaking Latin. <laughs> so we have to get these languages straightened out. But somehow this DNA we've got in us talks to our other cells. And when I break a nail off or something or tear it up, body goes to work putting those cells back right there. I start working hard outside. Next thing I know, i got calluses. How come? There's some communication going on. Do you know you got a little place right in behind you right here, inside of that chest area, that's like a pharmacy? And that little old thing, every time you get sick, you get the mumps, it figures out how to kill those mumps, and then it stores up some stuff inside of there, just in case that particular thing comes along again. That's why you only get this stuff one time. Once your body figures out how to do it, next time you're exposed to it, man, I know how to get that. <laughs> Got the right bullet for the guy, you know. Just bring that gun out and shoot him. Anyway, that's what's happening with flu and colds because the virus continues to change and mutate. So your body's having to try to figure this stuff all out. God put all that stuff together. I mean, this thing was no accident, man. And one day we're going to meet this guy, this genius that can form it out of the dust of the ground and breathe into its nostrils. And what he breathed into his nostrils was not just the breath of life, but that was an eternal life that he gave it. He's the one that destroyed it. One day we're going to meet him. And the more you know about him now, the more you'll appreciate him when you finally see him. You're going to be like the little kid that I saw last week, you know, kids in the back seat. We're not going to such and such. And I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it was someplace kid wanted to go. We're not going there. We're going to Disneyland. No, I want to go such and such. We're going to be like that little kid, you know. If you don't know enough about God, you just, I don't know what's going on. You've got to kind of get up to speed or something. But the more you know about him, more the more you'll appreciate it when you finally meet him. Boy, you'll know who you're looking at. You realize that, you know, these undercover bosses go out there. They don't know that's a CEO. You ever seen any of that program? They don't know who they're talking to. They're going to be a whole bunch of Christians just like that. Who's that guy? <laughs> wow. Man, big old bright white throne. What's going on up there? <laughs> That's sad, man. Sad. Anyway, in keeping with that, Bill Gates likens the DNA to a computer program, though far more advanced than any software humans have ever invented. 
You know what happens when you find something on this earth that's more superior than anything that man has made? You figure you're dealing with something extraterrestrial. How about that? (laughs) How about that? The biggest problem scientists have right now is the more they learn, the more they have to hide that they learned. That's their problem. Because the more they learn, the more they know this cannot possibly be an accident. There is no way in this world anybody with a rational mind can believe that. That's why some of these atheists that have a brain, they get to a certain conclusion in their life and then God begins to show them some stuff. And they begin to question it. Next thing you know, he'll show them a little bit more and he question it some more. And it gets them up there just like I told you before. I mean, this is the perfect example right here of salvation. When I was born, I was kind of like in the middle. <laughs> I hadn't gone bad, hadn't gone good. I was just safe. I was who I was. When all of a sudden I gained the knowledge of sin, I became aware of what I was doing. And I remember as a child sinning and I broke out into a sweat when I'd lie or when I'd steal something or I would treat my brother or sister badly or I'd have bad feelings toward my mother or my grandmother. I felt it. I got over that. How'd I get over it? My conscience seared with a hot iron, man. Bill Clinton, his roommate said in college, he'd walk in and there's Clinton standing in front of a mirror talking to himself. What are you doing? He saw that three or four times. Finally, he had to ask him. He said, I'm learning how to lie without showing it. (laughs) Let God be true and every man a politician. (laughs) Anyway, I felt this right here. When I started going, the first time I did that, guess what happened? I started going to the wrong side. Every time I'd sin, I'd get further over there, further over there, further over there, further over there. Did I go all the way to the bottom? No, I wasn't Dahmer, you know, I wasn't some freakazoid like that. But it don't matter. This side of the line is this side of the line. <laughs> you come down on the wrong side of God's fence, you don't get over it. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and he starts dealing with me. And I start thinking about things. And the Holy Spirit, when I got saved, brought me right up to that point. Satan pulling me one way, the Lord pulling me the other way. And if I could balance that pencil on my finger right there, that's exactly what happens to a person when they get saved. And you know what influences that thing, which way it falls? It's your will. And your will is just enough influence, like a little draft of air, to decide which way that thing falls. And if it goes the right way, God does something inside of you, man, you can't ever get over. And if you don't have that, you don't have what I got. I've not only not gotten over it, it's just got better and better and better and better. It had never gotten worse. When I read this kind of stuff about my maker, boy, I just get cranked up, man. It makes heaven real. It makes what he's doing in my life real, good or bad or indifferent. It makes his blessings more real. It makes me realize who I am and who he is. Anyway, let's get on with our lesson. (laughs) Okay, we've been talking about acting on love. And when we started on this stuff, I got into the measuring of love and got over into this business of the law and the commandments, man, and (laughs) sin and knowledge of the law. It's like, man, Lord, I'm out here in the swamp, man. (laughs) And every Sunday it'd be like, Lord, show me what's going on. Well, I knew what he'd done in the past. And I knew it was him showing me this. But I didn't know where this thing was going for sure. Like I told you before, I figured God's going to show me. 
When he's ready to show me, he'll show me. Well, he started showing me this morning. And it all started falling together, just like building bricks on a wall, boy. It just started coming together great. Sometimes he does it like after a house is framed up and dried in. You can't see much going on on the inside. Other times he does it like when it comes up for framing, boy. You frame that house up in about a week and it looks like, wow, they're going to have this thing done in two weeks. (laughs) It don't happen that way. Anyway. We're talking about measuring love. What is that? Number one, measuring your love for God has to do with, if you love me, keep my commandments. And like I said last week, God is not going to put a commandment on you you can't keep. He's not going to do it. Now the law, that's a different ball game. You can't keep the law. Why? Because you have no ability within you to keep the law. That's like living without sin. You're born into sin, man. Before you even know what's going on, it's too late. And now that you're saved and you have a new nature and you still have the old man, you still can't stop. (laughs) There's a big difference between sinning and keeping his commandments. Sinning has to do with the law. I mean, when they realized they were naked, man, they, they were sinning. But sin's not imputed where there is no law. And it wasn't a law until they had the knowledge of the law. All of a sudden... We got the knowledge of the law, and we know all that stuff. And what's happened in the Laodicean church, and maybe way before that, all of this stuff has been blended together towards all the same. And man, it's fatalistic. I remember in that Nazarene church when I went down front and said, Oh, Lord, save me, 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 Lord, save me. I must have said that 50 times, 60 times, 70 times. And they said, Boy, you know, the glory of God would come upon their face, and they'd get up with a smile of heaven, you know. Man, I gave up. I said, well, I got 50 people around me praying, you know. He's getting saved, getting saved, you know. I just smile and get up, you know, pretend for a couple weeks. And then I'd do the stuff that I knew was totally wrong. Well, in Nazarene church, you taught if you do that stuff, you're lost again. You've got to go get saved again and again and again and again and again. Well, the Lord dealt with me twice there. I went back again. We were talking last week. Brother Joe was talking about his girls. You know, what, how far do we go with this stuff? You let God do it, man. Yes. <sighs> Don't get in between God and another sinner. Don't do it. You start playing games with them and you start showing them how to get saved and then they pray that prayer and they think that did it. Man, that's a rubber check. It won't cash. It won't cash. It don't change inside. It don't change. I don't care what you do to the outside. And there's a lot of people that outside looks good. But inside, they're the same old person. There's a song that says, Oh, how well do I remember as I doubted day by day. I did not know for certain my sins were washed away. When the Spirit tried to move me, I would not the truth receive. I endeavored to be happy and make myself believe. But now I can say it's real, it's real. Praise God that doubts are settled and I know it's real. The more I know about him, the more real it becomes, man. Anyway, if you love me, keep my commandments. On a scale of one to ten, where do you put yourself? And you know why? Because nobody's ever clarified what he's talking about there. They're more interested in on the outside. They're more interested in how you dress, what your hair is like. How many times do you pick up your Bible during a week? That's not the issue with God. 
God's not interested in how many times you pick up your Bible. That don't make you a better person picking up your Bible and reading it. It'll get you some information. I mean, like I said before, I mean, I'm 80 times through this thing, every word. You think that made me more spiritual? You think it made me closer to God? I'll tell you what it did do. It put this living word of the living God inside of my heart and my head differently. And I go now and I go to study and man, the verses just start coming, boy. I got more of them than I can deal with. It'll do that for you. But don't think it's going to make you a better person. And the minute somebody starts reading this Bible through, all of a sudden you begin to criticize the people that don't. Self-righteousness. It moves right in. You can't beat that deceitful heart with a stick. You can't beat it with a beating machine. That's because we are who we are. And what's happened is nobody's ever made it clear to us what's the difference between sin and the commandments to his children. That's the difference. And if you were to liken it unto what people would tell you in a a real life situation, it'd be the difference between telling your kids not to play in the street and take out the trash. Those two things aren't the same. Why is that? Playing in the street will get you killed. Taking out this trash, that has to do with obedience. But God don't want you to just obey. To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken better than a fat of rams. But when you become his child, he treats you entirely different. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Don't you want your kids to do something for you because they love you? Isn't that what you really want? What difference does it make how much they do for you if it's just out of duty? Really, what difference does it make? Well, if we feel that way, what do you think God thinks? Man, he is the author of this whole thing. What's missing in the church is understanding of love. That's what's missing. And the reason that people chew each other up and spit each other out is they don't understand this stuff. They don't get it. And once they do what the preacher says, then they criticize everybody that doesn't. Get rid of your TV. How come? Well, the stuff on it. Man, you can see that stuff on billboards. You can hear it out there in land. I mean, you're not going to get out of this world. I mean, you're going to get away from sin. You're going to die. <laughs> what is that? Well, you may be in the world, but you're not of the world. This world isn't my home. <laughs> this world is this thing's home. But not that new guy inside. And the longer I live, the less connection I feel with this stuff. Why? Because I know what it is. The truth will set you free from what? Being under that bondage. Well, if you eat too much, you overeat. Sleep too much, you're oversleeping. I mean, when had that thing, you know, called the holiness nightmare. <laughs> and he'd read this big old long list of sins. And man, by the time he get done, you're just reeling with the blows. And the one that always got me, I've never forgotten it from the first time I heard it. One of those sins is that feeling of uneasiness that I have when I see somebody doing something I know I could do better. You know why? (laughs) There's very few things that I can look at somebody else and say, man, I wish I could do that. (laughs) Very few things. I mean, I don't understand electronics. I understand electricity. I understand electrical stuff. I don't understand electronics. I understand how to sing, but I don't even know how that works. I can barely read the notes. I know when they go up, I go up. I know when they go down, I go down. (laughs) I didn't even know that at the beginning. 
I tried to play a harmonica. My son bought me that bass harmonica, and I tried and tried and tried and tried. He paid $250 for that dumb thing. And one of the simplest songs in that book you can find to play on a bass harmonica is Home of My Soul. That goes, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-